Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg ad-free and right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Hi, everybody. Peter Greenberg here. This week, in addition to our regular broadcast of Ion Travel, we're happy to give you a bonus, a repeat of the show we broadcast from the Agua Caliente Resort in Rancho Mirage earlier this year as COVID-19 was suddenly on our radar. And as airlines around the world were just starting to park more and more of their planes, we traveled by car down to Southern California. I spoke with Jeff Kors, the mayor of Palm Springs, who discussed the new national park in California and the longtime celebrity history and mythology of Joshua Tree and Palm Springs. And we took a look at the history of the entire region with editors and writers Derek Lang, Brian De Los Santos, and Kristen Sharkey. I also chatted with Kane Nevis, who tells the story of the evolution of gaming in the desert as well as the Indian heritage. There's all this and more on this special repeat edition of Ion Travel from the Agua Caliente Resort and Casino and Spa in Rancho Mirage, California. Who better to, to talk to now than the Honorable Mayor of Palm Springs, Jeff Gores. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for having me in Palm Springs. And You know, I should tell you that I've been coming to Palm Springs since I was a correspondent for Newsweek back in 1971. I remember coming down uh, on the interstate in my old VW bus um, and uh, getting buffeted by the wind and sand and uh, heat. And in those days, uh, you know, the, the, the stereotype of Palm Springs was this is where people went to die. Um, this is a retirement community. Uh, there was no energy here. Uh, you had a couple of major, t- uh, maybe television and film stars who were down here because of the golf, and I was I was hard pressed to find good stories. Obviously, not the case anymore. No, it's it's as we say, it's not our grandfather's Palm Springs. The city's totally revitalized. There, are, you know, 20 years ago when I moved here, it was moving forward, but it's really taken off in the last 10 years. 
so many great restaurants, attractions, you know, Broadway shows that come through, McCallum Theater and Palm Desert. It's just a wonderful city with great culture, but still that small town vibe that makes it so great for tourists and residents alike. And if truth be told, the last time I saw you was just a couple of weeks ago. You and I, you were giving me a tour of one of the cutest airports in America, the airport in Palm Springs. Yeah, I mean, it's such, it's the most stress-free airport I've ever been to. <laughs> I mean, for those, if you're staying in Palm Springs in the downtown area or you live in Palm Springs, you know, I leave my house at six o'clock for the 7 a.m. flight and can connect to almost anywhere in the world, whether through Canada, through Dallas, Chicago. You know, I flew home from Tel Aviv through Toronto, right into Palm Springs. It's amazing. And I remember, uh, although you told me it's not there anymore, and it wasn't, but I remember you actually had a putting green at the airport. I remember that back, God, probably in the 80s. We had a putting green, and we didn't even have the terminal where the planes, you know, connected. You actually had to walk out onto the tarmac back in those days. Now we have direct flights to over 20 cities around the country. I'm going to share with you a story that I didn't share with you when I saw you the last time. One day I was actually flying out of Palm Springs. I think I was going to like Denver or Chicago. And as it turned out, uh, no, I was going to Phoenix, I think. And as it turned out, I was the only person on the flight. And so I got there early and it was, you know, you're an open air airport. I mean, and so I'm talking to the TSA guy, right? And we're having a nice conversation. I haven't gone through security yet. I mean, I'm in no rush. I'm the only guy there. And there was one person there, I think, from, from either uh, America or West, whoever was flying to Phoenix in those days. And that, the, whoever was the counter agent was also the guy at the gate, who was also the guy with the orange cones. I mean, he was, he was doing everything. He was loading bags. So we're just having a nice conversation. And now the one guy I'm talking to from the airport, I mean, from the airline, it's, he calls the flight. So he goes to the loudspeaker, and he's, but he's only talking to me, right? That's great. So it's now time for me to go through security, and I go through, and I get stopped, and the guy says, you've been selected for random <laughs> I said, I'm the only guy at the airport. That, and by the way, you, you, you're not crowded at this airport. No, you never feel crowded. The rental cars are right at the airport. You don't have to take a bus or a tram or any van to it. It's really wonderful. All right, so the airport's coming into its own place. You've, in, you've increased where you can fly to. Yes. I mean, there are over 20 nonstop flights, Boston, New York, Newark, Atlanta, as well as Chicago, the whole West Coast, but all through Canada as well, which makes it really easy to connect either through Dallas, you can connect through Los Angeles, San Francisco, or Toronto, as I often do as well. So let's move on to the other thing that I've noticed. Well, there are three things I used to remember about coming down to Palm Springs. The first I already told you. The second was stopping at Hadley's for a date shake. (laughs) You can't not come without that. And they're still there. They are still there. And there's also a great date shake uh, right in downtown Palm Springs. And, of course, right next to the to Hadley's, and I'm not a meat eater, but I had to introduce my, my wife to In-N-Out Burger. So it was her first experience. Wow. And then the third thing, of course, the windmills. Yes. So the windmills are terrific. They've been here for a long time. There are more and more of them. And they're and bigger they, and bigger. They're getting bigger and bigger. And the amount of energy they produce, they now can... The bigger ones can compete with any fossil fuel and cost, which is really incredible, because that's how we're going to start saving the planet for future generations. Starting April 1st, so coming Just right up, coming up yeah. is Palm Springs is going to be the first city in the area to go 100% carbon-free, not just for the city, but for residents and businesses. We're doing our own power program. It's something well, state you got law solar. allows. You have solar. Right, and we're going to add solar, and we can buy our own power. 
Uh, so we'll buy it from various sources. But the windmills produce you know, an amazing amount of energy. They're beautiful against the mountains. Artists come here to draw them. There are art installations here all the time. It's really a wonderful thing. And there's a great windmill tour. If you've never gone on it, come on. next time you're out, I'll take you. It's really wonderful. Explain how you do a windmill tour. Well, there's a, there's a little office building um, at the windmill company uh, headquarters, and they have all the pictures and history of windmills, including all the ones that failed over you know, decades and decades and decades. And, and, and why did they fail? Various things. They didn't. The wind wasn't strong enough. Well, um, that's the obvious one. Right? It they, wasn't windy that the, day. The parts didn't hold up long term. There were a whole bunch of issues. They weren't controlled, you know, the way they now are through computers, you know, off-site. And so they take you through the whole history. Then they put you in a really nice, you know, minibus and take you around. And you go out to the windmills and they explain how they work. And I'm not a science geek, but I was fascinated in it. Well, what, what amazes me, when you're in your car and you're driving down the interstate, you see them, you see the turbines moving around, but you don't really hear them. When you get up close and personal, oh my God. Yeah, they're noisy when you're there, but if you're not really right at them, you yeah, don't hear them at all. Exactly. And you're telling me they're generating enough electricity to take you essentially off the normal grid and putting you on this one. Well, they actually generate enough, from what I understand, to power the entire Coachella Valley, every residence in the Coachella Valley. If it was off-grid. It's not totally off-grid, but we pick who we buy power from. So we can buy power from the windmills, from solar, from various hydro, and go 100% carbon-free and help save our planet. So you become the role model for other cities. That's our goal. We've you know, had a sustainability commission, and we've worked on it for a long time. We had a solar ordinance for new residential long before the state started requiring it this year. Tell me what, how that works. Well, any home, any residential project that was being built had to have solar installed. First, it was solar wire ready. And about three, four years ago, we passed a solar ordinance that had to have a certain amount of solar energy. Because solar pays itself back here in about six, seven years, because look, we're in the desert. And so it saves people money. And one of the interesting things, there was a push to exempt low income houses. But for someone buying a house on a lower income, the mortgage and their regular energy bill was more than their mortgage with solar added into it. And once we showed that, it was, everyone wanted it. You could actually do the numbers. Actually. So it works for the numbers and it works for the environment. All right. So we've got a lot of sun. A lot of sun. Where's the water coming from? Um, we are on top of a beautiful, huge aquifer that no one knows exactly how long, but according to Desert Water Agency, we probably can make 100 years on it. But we also are really conscious of water conservation. We've done big turf buyback programs. And part of it is people moved here to be in the desert. And when people do nothing but plant non-native species here, all the allergies, all the things that some people moved away from come back. So we've done big turf buyback programs. All the golf courses are moving to reclaimed water. All the fountains are non-potable water. So we're really conscious of it, but we still like the feeling of an oasis while we're being good to the environment. Interesting that people would come and plant you know, invasive species that shouldn't have been here in the first place. Yes. Well, that happens everywhere, unfortunately. All right, so the, so the flower store has got to be watched carefully. <laughs> You're not from around here, are you? Uh, no, grew up in New York. But you've been here 20 years. I've been here 20 years. What, what brought you here? You know, initially I came down, I took a, what I thought was a couple-month break from the law practice I was in and was renovating a mid-century house, which at the time, you know, everyone was discovering those old great houses that hadn't been renovated for 30, 40 years and bringing it back to life. My folks were in Palm Desert half the year from New York, and that two years, and, and, and that turned into a lot more years. Uh, and 
it was just such a wonderful place to live, and it's even better now. For people who come to visit you, what's the biggest surprise for them that they're not expecting? I think they're expecting to spend the whole time at the pool and barbecuing, and if they haven't been here before or not for a long time, are amazed at how much there is to do. All the great, not just outdoor hiking and all the fun pool parties, of course, but the great restaurants, the shopping, all the top-notch entertainment that we get here in the desert. I think that always surprises people. And one of the things we're really proud of in Palm Springs is the hundreds of unique stores and restaurants we have that don't exist anywhere else in the world. We started a program that um, I came up with called Uniquely Palm Springs, where we highlight all of those small, unique, only in Palm Springs businesses. Those idiosyncratic. Right, because that's, I know when I travel, I don't want to go to a chain store that I can go to you know, at home or in any city. I want to go someplace where I'm going to see things I can't see anywhere else. And if I'm going to go shopping, I want to bring something back. I can't get anywhere else. Although most American travelers are not exactly visionary. Their idea of an adventure trip is to go to an American-branded hotel and order a cheeseburger and thinking they're roughing it. <laughs> well, that is most, but not the people who want to come to Palm Springs. And where we are right now is an interesting addition. It is. It is. And, you know, this is a great casino and resort, although they also have a casino right in downtown Palm Springs. So when people come to Palm Springs, you can walk from most hotels right to the casino if you like gaming with great restaurants and really fun so and this one here has great entertainment great shows and that's what's so wonderful about palm springs you know when a major star comes or a broadway touring company comes here we can get tickets they don't sell out in 10 minutes well you know a guy who knows a guy yeah well i think anyone can get tickets <laughs> right bottom line though is this is not what it was going to be looking like 20 years ago oh nothing like it what, like what, what created that? You know, I think what happened in Palm Springs was the mid-century movement. You know, last month in February, we had Modernism Week. You know, 100,000-plus people come to tour mid-century modern homes, see the mid-century hotels. You know, we gave a star to Pierre Cardin, who designed the first Maxim de Paris in Palm Springs. There's just so much great architecture, and I think that's what started people coming here. They fell in love with the architecture and our mountain. And to be able to have both, right, that beautiful outdoor space, 360 days of sunshine, but really unique architecture, desert modernism that doesn't really exist like it does anywhere else in the world, I think that's what started it, and it just kept on growing. And I think foresight of prior city councils, to me, to really focus during the recession on tourism, doing incentive programs to get new hotels like the Kimpton Rowan that doesn't exist anywhere else, and really make that change. When I first came here, Food here was prime rib and uh, what they would call surf and turf were done, uh -huh. right? That's changed, too. That's changed. I would say when I came here, people would ask, you know, what are your favorite restaurants? And I have to sort of think about it. And now I really have to think about it, not because there are so few, but there are so many. That's a real change. All right. So where are we going for breakfast? Um, you want a uh, non-vegan? Sure. Uh, no, okay. no. Whatever you want. Well, okay. Right now I'm eating mostly vegan, but let me give you where I would tell friends to go. I, I mean, those Lula, other people. Those other people um, <laughs> who I still love and adore. So Lulu's California Bistro, uh, right in downtown Palm Springs, sit out on the patio, watch everything, everyone pass by. Great restaurant, great for breakfast. All right. And, and what are we ordering there? Well, you're a New Yorker, so you probably order what I would order if you eat meat. Homemade corned beef hash with three poached eggs and really crisp hash browns. Three poached eggs. Three poached eggs. You're going high test You're going to see that in Palm Springs a lot. Uh, People are on vacation. Really good. 
really, really good. All right, and lunch? Lunch, I go to Spencer's right at the tennis club at the mountain. It's only two blocks off Palm Canyon. Now, the tennis club has got history. Tennis club has great history. Playing there tomorrow. It's a great (laughs) place. Uh, You play and you look at the mountains, and sometimes you have to pinch yourself that you actually get to do that. And for me, that I live here and get to do that. Uh, Beautiful restaurant with a gorgeous outdoor patio filled with trees with heating and air conditioning. So the patio is open 12 months a year. And a really special lunch, my favorite on a special occasion, Maine Lobster Cobb Salad. See, when I think of Palm Springs, I immediately think of Maine Lobster. Of course you do. <laughs> and dinner? Ah, uh, dinner. Right in downtown also, La Valerice. It's been here 40 years. French restaurant. Beautiful patio with huge ficus trees and uh, one of my favorite restaurants in the city. And what we would call fine dining. What we would definitely call fine dining. My favorite thing is to start with escargot and then the duck with either the fig or cherry sauce, whichever they currently have. Now, this is radio, everybody, but the mayor weighs two pounds, so I hate him. <laughs> After that menu, they'd have to take me out on the stretcher. Come play tennis with me tomorrow. I'll do it. Okay. Mayor Jeff Kors, right here in Palm Springs. Mr. Mayor, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for your show. We I really appreciate it. To it. See you on the lobster and the duck course. We're there. Joining me now from Palm Springs Life Magazine, a magazine I still subscribe to. Nice. Yes, Derek Lang, how are you, sir? Great, how are you, Peter? Good. I mean, you're a relative newcomer to the magazine, but you're not a newcomer to the area. So what is it about this place that's changed for you? Because, you know, I still say, and and, and, and I this goes back to my history with Palm Springs, that for so many years it wasn't changing. Mm. Yeah, I've been coming for probably about like 10 years and there, it's uh, kind of goes both ways. You want some things not to change. You come for the mid-century architecture. You come for the pools. But then you come and things change culinarily. There's new restaurants, new bars, new experiences with shopping. Can so, we talk about the pools for a second? Let's because, talk about them. Because I remember when I first came down here, people had two kinds of pools. Not there was no there was no middle level. There was the little baby pools, okay, and there were like gargantuan pools, <laughs> yeah. right? They were sort of like the old days of uh, town and country and Slim Aaron's photography. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you want like the most high tech pool technology, you come to Greater Palm Springs. They we have pools here that are chilled. I didn't even know you could do that. But at the La Quinta Resort and Club, they have over 40 pools that they chill in the summertime. So it's never never too hot to get in there. And then like- What, they throw ice cubes in? What what do they do? (laughs) No, I'm not a scientist, so I don't exactly understand the engineering behind it. But I think it's just the opposite of how they would heat the pool with like coils or something like that. But- uh, yeah, and then like saltwater pools, which are actually really good for you. We have a lot of those here. So it kind of runs the gamut of sort of a pool experience you want. So basically you're the unofficial pool inspector here. Uh, sure. I'll add that to my <laughs> resume. That's like a pretty good title. But I mean, having a pool in Palm Springs is sort of like you got to do it. Yeah, you do. You got to do it. <laughs> and, pe- and people come. Yeah, you got to have a nice bar or bar cart, and you got to have a nice pool. Those are kind of the two prerequisites in, in Palm Springs. And let's talk about some stereotypes. Okay. Ready? The dry heat. You know, when I was first coming down here, people would say, yes, Palm Springs is hot, but it's a dry heat. And, of course, my answer was, yeah, my oven's a dry heat, but I don't live there, right? <laughs> 
But now I'm I'm turned around. I'm a big fan of the off season. I'm I'm actually working on a book right now called The Off Season, about why you want to go to Alaska in February and Palm Springs in in in, in August. I mean. I've always been a huge fan of traveling on the off season everywhere in the world. Like go to Italy in December. Like go to Venice when it's when it's really cold and there's nobody. You go there. to Venice in February and maybe you wear some boots in case the canals are flooding, but you're gonna have a much better time. One hundred percent. You'll own the bridge of size. It won't be the bridge of thighs. <laughs> yeah, and same with Palm Springs. Come in the summertime. It's actually really great. Sure, you're not gonna be able to go on a six mile hike because you'll probably pass out. No, you do that at three in the morning. Exactly. You yeah. Yeah, you just turned into a vampire. But I'm originally from Florida. So you understand when they say dry heat, they ain't kidding because I'm used to I grew up walking outside. Yeah, but Florida was not dry heat. Florida was humid heat. It's a wet heat. Yeah, yeah, you walk outside and you immediately need to turn around and go back in and take a shower. That's not the case here in Palm Springs. It's actually very comfortable. I got you. So now speaking of comfort, you got to eat. Yes. Where are we going? Well, there's so many good places. And what's happening right now, we just put out this supplement magazine called Taste Magazine. And um, what I found really interesting as I was working on that publication is there's a plethora of produce here. You don't think about that. You think, oh, it's a desert. No. Nothing's going to grow there. Yeah. Obviously, the dates are a big deal here. We have more, we grow more dates than anywhere else in the country. I continue to go for date shakes. Yeah. Date shades, but you can also get, you know, uh, bourbon infused with dates. You can get that drink right here at the Cigar Lounge at the Agua Caliente. But there's also. And you would know that because uh, you be- had it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's research. Okay, I have to try everything, Peter. Yeah. But yeah, there's date sugar, date jam, all of that stuff. But there's also things that you would never have thought about, like white sweet potatoes. We grow more white sweet potatoes here, which makes like a really great soup. It's super healthy. Um, then there's, you know, stuff like juniper. So there's actually like a lot of ingredients and there's tons of chefs here that are really inspired by the challenge of using that kind of local cuisine. Um, so where do we, where do we go? Well, what are you in the mood for? Let's start with breakfast. Okay. Breakfast. Um, well, right now I'm kind of obsessed with, there's this, um, Jewish deli. Oh, wait, you talk about Wexler's. Wexler's. Yeah. 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 So it's, but that's been around. It's been around. It's in the grand central market downtown, but here in Palm Springs, it's more of a luxurious experience because it's like a restaurant at the, uh, arrive hotel. And so you sit down, you don't have to like wait in a line like you do at the Grand Central Market in downtown LA. And they do a breakfast burrito made with their house-made pastrami. So that's pretty unique. Coming to Palm Springs for me, and I said this earlier in the show, was uh, quite an eye-opening experience when I did it when I was back as a correspondent for Newsweek back in 1971. Um, and it was, a, it was a challenge for me because I, I knew I had to come down here to cover some stories. We had some movie stars down here then. We had you know Bob Hope. We had Frank Sinatra. Uh, we had Walter Annenberg, who was then uh, the publisher of one of the most popular magazines in America, not so much anymore, TV Guide. Uh, later became the ambassador to the United Kingdom. Um, we had... Uh, Gerald Ford. We had uh, the Eisenhower Medical Center. We had uh, later on, of course, we had Richard Nixon hanging out with Walter Annenberg. Um, Spiro T. Agnew was down here. So I was down here a lot, but I always found it a challenge to find, well, what am I going to do down there? Uh, And my next guest might have an answer for me now. She's the editor of Desert Magazine, Kristen Sharkey. How are you? I'm doing well. So 
you came down about four years ago to do this. Did you find anything different than I did? <laughs> I found a lot, Peter. Uh, you know, as the editor of Desert Magazine, it's sort of my job to find the coolest new things to do and see and interact with here. But what was the, fir- the thing that most surprised you about Palm Springs when you first came down here? Oh, man. Okay, honestly, Peter. Honestly? The lack of young people. <laughs> We're a little bit more difficult to find. <laughs> have you found a few since you got here? I have. We are definitely out here. We're just, you know, not as prominent. Okay, I got it. But you're here. <laughs> I'm here. I know, There's a lot I, of I us know here. you're here. I'm saying, but younger people are here. Definitely. We but are the, here. But, but the, the median age has come down. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's so funny because I actually grew up coming to Palm Desert. My grandparents had a house on a golf course out in Palm Desert. Everybody had grandparents down here. Yes. We ran through the sprinklers for Easter, finding Easter eggs on the golf course, trying to find them. And I just remember, you know, growing up, we didn't even come over to Palm Springs. We stayed and went to the swap meet at College of the Desert and did everything in the Mid Valley. And so coming here four years ago, I just was introduced to a whole different Palm Springs than I knew growing up. There's all sorts of art and food and culture happening here. And it's been really exciting to be a part of. But it's a younger culture too. I mean, when I first came down here, it was grandparents haven, right? Now there's a distinct Palm Springs culture. For sure. You know, I think that there's this real um, honor of that legacy and, and regard for that history. But I think that there's you know, a new generation that grew up here and now they're opening their own restaurants. They're creating art. They are contributing to this place in myriad different ways. And then you have the history and the Indian legacy where we are right now, Agua Caliente. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think as much as Palm Springs has changed, you know, in the last few decades, I think the biggest change is yet to come with uh, the new arena that's going to be built downtown. So you've got both entertainment venues. Yeah. I mean, from what we've heard from arena officials, that arena is going to serve as sort of a, it looks like it's going to serve as a starting point for big names to start their tours. So we're looking at some of the big names in, in, in the entertainment industry coming to Palm Springs. But you already got them coming here. To, uh, you know, you got Jerry Seinfeld here. You got Totally. Right there. I, I was really surprised to see that. Mm-hmm, Were mm-hmm. you surprised to see well, that? Well, it's so funny when you talk about all the names that you remember coming yeah, here. The yeah. whole time you're t- talking about that, I was thinking, well, and now in the Coachella Valley, we have Kardashians. <laughs> and that's a reason to come? Wait, a second. Wait can we stop right now? <laughs> I'm just saying you have celebrities that you are were doing still... so well. you were doing so well <laughs> we are we we are we have celebrities that are flocking to the california desert to this day okay mm-hmm. so okay i i will do a a kardashian free zone <laughs> all right we won't talk about it anymore no it's okay it's okay <laughs> i'm not... only thinking about it peter because i just covered their third property purchase in the california desert they own week. three properties now yeah Oh, my God. Okay. (laughs) All right. But there's still available properties for everybody else. Absolutely. (laughs) Kardashians. I can't escape them. I'm sorry. I just totally took this off track. (laughs) No, you didn't. No, no. It's a different track. It's creeping Kardashianism. We're going to have to put a stop to that. But that's okay. That's okay. But when you think about it as an entertainment venue, I mean, 10 years ago, I never expected 
this place to be here, right? Mm-hmm. Agua Caliente. I never would have expect, expected the range of restaurants, the range of food, the range of gastronomic experiences, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's the seasonality of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big fan of no seasons. <laughs> I mean, I'm a big fan of going places that, you know, I'll, I'll come here in August. I won't have a problem. Look, I've been in Dubai and Saudi Arabia in July. I can do anything. Props to you. I know. You can do it. <laughs> you can do it. Right. No, I'll tell you. I mean, I definitely think Palm Springs is an all-seasons destination. But selfishly, I do sort of love the summer because there is a little bit less traffic, um, a little bit less crowding. Um, it sort of becomes the locals town again. And I love that. You see, that's that's when you want to go. Oh, yeah. Right. Don't be scared by the 100 plus degree heat. We have plenty of movie theaters and restaurants. <laughs> and you can get up early and, and hang out later. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm not here to promote that. I'm here to tell you that's how I adjust and, and get the best of all worlds without standing in line for anything. <laughs> we have an entire generation of people in this country. I, I actually believe this, who think that their goal in life is to find a line so they can stand in it. <laughs> And then complain about it. <laughs> My goal in life is to avoid the line, especially if they're in line for the Kardashians. Okay. No, sorry. I'm well, sorry. do you do you have, do you want me to give you some recommendations for places where you don't have to stand in line? Go for it. Okay. First, I would go to if you want to grab a cocktail, um, you could you could head to Seymour's. It's a secret speakeasy inside Mr. Lyons, one of our his, sort of historic age-old steakhouses in Palm Springs. But they have behind this velvet curtain this speakeasy bar with fantastic cocktails. You can head in there, and there's not usually a line, although it is crowded. Um, right now, my favorite place to go that just opened is Las Palmas Brewing. Um, opened by two guys. One grew up here. Right beer beer they, in the desert they are the only brewery actually brewing their beer in palm springs we we have you know we have um brew houses we don't have anybody actually brewing beer they that's are the cool. first that's cool and they yeah they are super drinkable super light you know saison style table beer it, it's delicious joining me now uh, from the Desert Sun, uh, Brian De Los Santos. Uh, Brian, the reason why I asked you on the show is because if, if I go back to all my years coming to this area, and if truth be told, it goes back to 1971. Uh, when I first came here, I found it boring. I found it dry, still dry. I found, you know, it was funny. I, I, when I first came here, the description of Palm Springs in the area was 200,000 people, two interesting stories. Yes. Right? Things have changed. Yes. That's why you're here. Yep. <laughs> what specifically has been the turnaround and why is it now booming in terms of culture, recreation, uh, entertainment? I mean, look where we are right now, right? Yep. Well, uh, Peter, um, as you can see, if you come to down, the downtown area of Palm Springs, there's more development now. There's an H&M, there's these stores. Wait, H&M is here? Okay. Yeah. Oh, so sorry. now you know we're legit. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, the, the old business. Yeah, but is there a Marshalls? There is. Okay, I'm staying. Okay, away. fine. Okay. <laughs> so we have more development and uh, we have still have the mom and pop shops. So there's still a bit of a, like that old feel. But that know? I like. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So the, the younger folks, the more diverse folks, um, the people who are, are lo- love the city, but they want to get away. They come here for the bachelorette parties. They come here for the... 
um, the getaways. They come here for the pool parties. We have things like the Dinah, which is, is a lesbian weekend here. We have... Um, which you never party. would have seen in 1971, ever. I doubt it. <laughs> no, it wasn't happening. But there was still, like, I was talking about the old era, there was still uh, Palm Springs uh, spring break here. So there's, you know, people have those memories and people still associate Palm Springs, the area, with this kind of like the desert um, hotspot. Right, and but the median age has come down. Yeah, so now I, um, myself, I'm about 30 years old. I'm 29. And I see... Hey, stay 29 as long as you can. Okay. <laughs> I'll try to. Um, but I, I do see more of younger folks out here. Um, and it's because of different opportunities. There's a hospitality sector out here. There is um, cuisine. There's a lot of like restaurants that open up and they try their hand here. And I feel like when they try their hand here, they can go to places like LA, San Diego, Phoenix are, are big cities nearby. So you can live here and use it as a hub. Exactly. And for example, myself, I'm from LA. Um, I came here for a career, you know, move, and I love it. Um, I have my, my husband now, and I have my dog. Um, I feel like I can be here for a few more years. You're a unit. <laughs> exactly. I have a home here. Unlike LA, you know, we still rent out there in LA. And well, if I can say something that the, my folks in LA and my friends in LA will not like. But Los Angeles is 86 separate incorporated cities in desperate search of a community. Yep. Right? Yep. That's different here. Oh, yeah. Um, and there a lot of people, a lot of the locals, um, because they're, you, as you know, there's a snowbird season. Uh, so people come and go and they stay here for six months where it's like tolerable, warm weather. And then it comes the 110, 115 degrees. Where do you go? Leave. Where do you go? I stay indoors. I stay in the AC. <laughs> <laughs> or I, I skip to LA or San Diego. Although I have to tell you something. I'm a huge fan of the off season. For most people, I think it's, it's sort of a myth. Because for me, I don't mind Alaska in February, and I don't mind Palm Springs in August if you know what to do, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think you can get to the pool and have a great time before 11 o'clock in the morning. Oh, and yeah. You go back at four <laughs> in the afternoon. From 11 to four, hey, like, embrace the Spanish model, siesta. Yep, yep. Uh, happy hours are, are a thing here. You know, um, if you're in town, I, I suggest you get out and you do a little bit of, like, happy hours. You do the pool time. Palm Springs is super popular for the pool parties. Um, Splash House is a thing here. Um, a lot of people <laughs> love coming to that. I would and myself, I think I'm out of that age range where I, I would enjoy myself at a Splash House event, which is pool parties all over the town. I'm okay not appearing. But the bottom line is you're happy to be here. Of course. It's, it's an awesome all right. So since you talk about food, let's, let's get into that. Oh, yes. All right. Where are you taking me for breakfast? So I love this place called Women Frida's. It's, they have two locations, so one in Palm Springs in the main area in downtown, and there's another one right outside of Palm Springs in Palm Desert. So I've been to the one in Palm Springs, really good breakfast. They have brunch. They have all the- But what am I ordering? You're ordering uh, salsa verde um, pork, the pork there. It is awesome. It's kind of like chilaquiles. They're kind of like a take on chilaquiles. It, it, for me, I always try to look for something Mexican-inspired because I'm from L.A., I'm from Mexico. I try to like see like what is the original cuisine here, and they do a really good like take on Mexican-inspired salsa. And for me, it was, it was awesome. It was delicious. It comes with eggs. Um, you can order a mimosa. You can order any type of drink there. The atmosphere is kind of homey, so you sit down, and you just get taken care of. All right, so that's breakfast with a mimosa. Got it. Lunch. Um, for me, because I experienced something new, it's called Tanya's Kitchen. It's right off. It's now that's not pork. No, it's not. No, it's not. It is vegan, and I hope you and 
If you have never tried vegan, you can won't I tell you something? Here's the biggest myth about vegan food: an overwhelming number of people who order vegan food aren't vegans, and half the time they don't even know it. Exactly. I'm not. I wasn't vegan. I, I was introduced to that place, and they're like, "You just try this. You'll love it. It's light, but it's filling. It's warm." I will tell you the one thing I do hate about vegan places. What is it? It's sort of a ridiculous attitude. Ready? They all whisper. You ever notice? We have the kale. It's like, no, just what do you have on the menu? It's sort of, they, they're like escaped librarians in there. It's sort of like, hi, I'm a, I'm a witness. I'm in the witness relocation program. I'm vegan. Like, no, no, no. Just what do you have on the what menu? What exactly do they have? Yeah. I, I do recommend two things, a chupacabra ch- chicken sandwich. It's a, it's their it's a take, what? A chupacabra. I don't know exactly where that came from. I have not asked Tanya myself. I should ask her. So that's the impossible chicken. That is the weird chicken <laughs> they have, right? Um, well, and then there's the, their take on the Cuban sandwich, the cubanito. So, you know, of course, you know, I wanted to see like what they have there. And the cubanito is my go-to for lunch. Um, my office is not far away from there so whenever I can escape I go there Tanya's super friendly she's there most of the time if not they take care of you anyway and dinner dinner for me it's let me guess we're back to pork of course <laughs> you can never go wrong with meat I would say so we'll take you back to to downtown downtown Palm Springs area which is uh, the rooster and pig now that's the like a Vietnamese fusion um, place and and you get a little bit of everything there's there's uh, but I do appreciate the pork there the pork dish um, they give you a little bit of soup when you you walk in uh, well when you get served you know you sit down and you get this atmosphere that's almost like uh, a big city like LA but then you get this like homey feeling like you're in a smaller town My next guest knows a little bit about this location. She's been writing about it for a long time. In fact, Noon Publications has got her book, Joshua Tree in Palm Springs. And here she is, Jenna Blau, how are you? Good, happy to be here. And happy that you are here. Now, you didn't really discover this place in your early years. You had to fall in love with it almost by accident. This is true. I actually grew up on the East Coast. and Not one of those. No, yeah. uh, But I am now a uh, bona fide Californian. I've been here for going on 20 years. And when I first moved out here, I just explored the state, started road tripping and camping and traveling and just kind of finding out everything I could about uh, California, little outposts, and just fell in love with the Mojave Desert. Why? I love the landscape. There is... There are certain people who are just drawn to that landscape. It's austere. It's spiky. It's silent. It is silent. Los Angeles is not silent. That's where I'm based right now. And to love Los Angeles, which I do, is to get out of Los Angeles also. <laughs> That's great branding yeah. for Los Angeles, but we won't share that with them. But the bottom line is when you get out there, the first thing you notice is space, light, and sound, or lack of it. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, there's almost a flat light in the desert. Their shadows are sharper. Uh, the boulders are 
big and uh, the Joshua trees are spiky. So you're really Explain just a, a, Joshua, a tree. Joshua tree is actually part of the yucca family. But it is a little bit taller than the yuccas you might see in someone's yard. It's a tree. It's kind of spiky at the top. They're very anthropomorphic. They kind of look like people waving. And so they're kind of very engaging. They always look like they're moving. They do. They do look like they're moving. Yeah, like they're kind of waving at you, waving up to the sky. And you mentioned Joshua Tree National Park. It's amazing how many national parks and monuments are actually in this area. It is incredible, and we've added a few more over the past few years. So in between Joshua Tree National Park and Death Valley, we have the Mojave National Preserve. We've also added uh, recently the Castle Mountains National Preserve to the east and the Sand to Snow National Monument, connecting the San Jacinto Mountains with the desert. They actually call it the Sand to Snow? Sand to Snow, yeah. That one I didn't know. I have to tell you, that's a new one. Yeah, it, it is a new one. It is a new one. Yeah, it's not. It's hard to find a map for it, actually, right now. Well, that's why you're there, <laughs> yeah. because you create the map. <laughs> Absolutely. You're pioneering yeah. <laughs> it. So what was the biggest surprise to you when you first moved here? When I first moved here, oh, well. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking about when you started discovering this area. When I started area, discovering. Yeah. You know, really how much there was to discover. Um, coming from the East Coast, where space is, where distances are short, um, out here, Distances are very long. A six-hour drive is like a two-hour drive on the East Coast, and there's so much to discover. It was a real sense of freedom. There are all kinds of tiny ghost towns. And, and they're still there. And they're still there. And they're, they're still, still accessible. There. They're still accessible. Yeah, Can absolutely. I ask a really stupid question? Sure. Who owns the ghost towns? That is actually a great question. Um, some of them are privately owned. There are a few that I know out in Nevada that are privately owned. People uh, who are just historic aficionados are uh, just buying them up. Um, but then others are just kind of sitting around on BLM land. Um, some of them are in Pure national parks. If yeah. you're a land, yeah, Bureau of Land Management. Uh, some of them are in national parks. Joshua Tree has a few. I wouldn't call them ghost towns. I might call them ghost camps. So they're just kind of like little tent sites and uh, vestiges of Joshua Tree's mining area era. But you can hike it, you can bike it, you can walk it. Absolutely, absolutely. And you can camp it. You can camp it, and you can rock climb it. It's a huge rock climbing destination. Yeah. Now, when I first came to Palm Springs, I mean, the development was nowhere near what it was, to, what mm-hmm. it is today. I mean, there are no high-rises. There, there, were, there, there was no great uh, entertainment facilities. There were, mm-hmm. I mean, there were a couple of, you know, celebrity homes, mm-hmm. And that was about it, you know. And then memories mm-hmm. of Gabby Hayes, if anybody remembers Gabby Hayes, but that's okay, I forgive you all. But here we are on the Agua Caliente, you know, in this building, all of a sudden you have an entertainment venue. You have major stars coming. You have uh, all these different food venues that were never there before. And yeah. opportunities for people, mm-hmm. if, they, if you want to combine, you know, camping and luxury, you can mm-hmm, do it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're hitting on one of the things that really amazes me about uh, Palm Springs as well, is how well it has weathered all eras of tourism. So, Explain that. Yes, I would love to. So Palm Springs um, was mid-century modernism kind of grew up in Palm Springs. We had all these beautiful mid-century hotels and homes, the celebrity homes that you mentioned. But then that fell out of fashion really in the 70s through the 90s. But instead of tearing everything down like some other cities that we could mention, um, Palm Springs just kind of pushed forward. And when people started buying up property in the 90s, all these beautiful homes and hotels and, and municipal buildings were left there. 
Palm Springs has the highest concentration of mid-century modern architecture in the world. And, and they're preserving it. And they're preserving it really beautifully. And the people who were buying the homes, they were younger. Yes. Right? Absolutely. You never thought of Palm Springs mm -hmm. as being a young right? place. Right. Absolutely. And it has, you're right, it has a, just a new vibrancy right now. And every time I'm out there, I'm just amazed by how much more vibrant and beautiful it is. Other than the age demographics, mm -hmm. what are some of the biggest misconceptions? About Palm Springs? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, of course, that it's a retirement home, but also that it is uh, maybe just a place to go play golf. Um, really, there are a lot of a lot of things to well, wait, do out there. To be there. honest, there are a lot of golf courses. There are a Come lot on. of golf courses, <laughs> but there are also um, a lot of restaurants, a lot of resorts, swimming pools. Um, well, there are, yeah. there are a lot of golf courses. There are a lot of swimming pools. What's there a lot of that would be a surprise? Hmm. Well, I don't know if there's a lot of it, but there is some hiking. There are things to explore. Um, the Indian canyons, for example, in Palm Springs are a beautiful hiking experience. They're owned by the Coahuila Band of uh, of <clears throat> of, of um, Agua Caliente Indians, and there are waterfalls, you can hike and just have, and there are palm oases. Have you taken the aerial tramway? I have. I, I did too. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. cool. It is really cool. 6,000 feet in, what, 10 minutes, I think it takes to get up to the top of the mountains. Now, yeah. one of the conceptions, or I should say the misconceptions, is that it's always hot. <laughs> right. Uh, yes, this is true. I think first-time visitors think that they're coming to a place that's very hot, and then they're surprised when the temperature drops 40 degrees at night, and it's freezing, and you need two fleeces and some boots. Um, <laughs> that's the desert. Yeah, that's the desert. <laughs> okay, so that's one of the misconceptions. The age thing is a misconception. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, what about accessibility? Because, I mean, that's a big deal these days. It is a big deal. Are you asking about Palm Springs or Joshua Tree? Both. Or, yeah. Well, um, Joshua Tree, I would say, is the is fairly accessible. Um, you can see Joshua Tree in a car. Um, there is a 25-mile loop through the park that you can drive, and there are a lot of short interpretive trails along this drive that you can kind of get out. There are viewpoints, so you can really kind of see the highlights of Joshua Tree you without having to get way back in there. And you can actually learn something. And you can learn something, too. Ion Travel continues from the Agua Caliente Hotel Casino Resorts Bob Bowling Alley and Gaming Operation. I, I can't even make it all up. Uh, my guest right now is Caniela Nevis, the director of hotel operations right here at Agua Caliente. And you know, you're a hotel guy and you're and you're from Hawaii. Correct. You came from all the Marriott guys over there. Correct. But this is a whole different operation, isn't it? It is, but it's relative. I mean, hospitality is hospitality, irregardless of where you go. Uh, it's my second go-round in, in, in Native American gaming. Uh, previously and and explain some of the history of that, because we saw it, of course, on the east coast of the United States in Connecticut and New York. Uh, we've seen it in Pennsylvania. We, we've seen it in Arizona. We've seen it in New Mexico. California is a relatively newcomer. Relatively. Um, you know, it's it's been around, uh, you know, in Southern California, I think a little longer than Northern. Uh, Pachanga um, and a few others uh, that, that have been doing this for quite some time. I think it goes back to, uh, you know, some of the old... Uh, uh, tents that were constructed, uh, bingo hall days. Uh, so, yeah, it's been around for quite a quite a long time. Pull tab uh, slot machines. I'm not sure if anybody uh, remembers those, but yeah, it's been around for for quite some time. 
But when you think about the evolution of Indian gaming, uh, it was never Indian gaming and entertainment. It right. was never Indian gaming and great food. It was a casino. Absolutely. And so I think, you know, the evolution of that obviously is uh, gaming is a, a great form of entertainment, uh, specifically in California. Uh, not everybody has uh, the privilege of having a gaming operation. Uh, so food, entertainment, uh, kind of taking, uh, you know, the the foundation that Las Vegas has laid down and some of those other large cities like Atlantic City, it, it just goes hand in hand. And... When I remember the original Indian casinos, the three-letter word spa was never part of that deal either. <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, and, and again, uh, you know, going back to the evolution side of it, it's inevitable that uh, you, know, you have full-scale resorts, very similar to what I came from in Marriott, uh, where basically it's a one-stop shop. And from, from a revenue point of view and from a tax point of view, you're now a big part of the community. Absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, over 2,500 jobs. Uh, which makes us, I believe, the largest employer uh, in our area. And, uh, and all the taxes that are generated from that obviously goes to support uh, a, a large part of the community. When you came here, uh, you know, I, I was surprised, quite frankly, to see the, 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 the caliber of entertainment that you're booking here. I mean, Jerry Seinfeld's coming. Absolutely. Uh, amazing. Uh, and, and like you, uh, you know, being that I'm four months in, uh, I was very surprised at the level of entertainment, the level of entertainers uh, that uh, that we draw to the resort here. Uh, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, Snoop Dogg to, uh, like you said, Jerry Seinfeld, uh, amazing talent, uh, very recognizable names uh, that you don't often uh, see at, 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 a, at a casino property uh, outside of Las Vegas or Atlantic City. So Exactly. Yeah. You know, when I also think about it, uh, you and I were recently at the same time in Las Vegas for the for the Forbes Five Star Luxury Summit. Mm -hmm. um, you guys got four stars. We did. Uh, which, I, which, by the way, from an Indian casino or gaming operation, I was surprised. I mean, absolutely amazing accomplishment. It's it's been uh, about a two year project. Uh, for the resort. And you had to step up your game. Uh, absolutely. I mean, all things uh, service-related. Uh, Forbes is one of the most recognized uh, partners in, in service uh, throughout the hospitality industry. Uh, and I believe that, uh, you know, we're one of uh, a, a very, very, very small company that, that has that Forbes attachment. And we've got three. We, we have three areas of the resort that were recognized with the four-star recognition. So a uh, fantastic uh, accomplishment for the resort. So what's your biggest challenge? You know, uh, obviously, it's a big operation, uh, continuing to uh, increase the levels of communication. Technology is a big factor. Uh, it continues to be. There's always opportunities to, to upgrade software systems, to, uh, you know, incorporate uh, different technologies, whether it be, you know, guest service friendly, customer service friendly. Um, and so, you know, those challenges obviously remain, uh, uh, you know, to be a big challenge, but uh, you know we have a tremendous amount of support. Um, we've got some some great minds uh, on the executive level that allow us to uh, uh, to continue to to meet those challenges. So, but no amount of technology can take the precedence over over good service. Absolutely not. Um, you've got to have good people, um, and you have to have good leadership and good management. And I think that's something that we definitely pride ourselves on. 
But when you think about it, when people think about Indian gaming or Indian casinos, they're not necessarily, I mean, I was surprised to see the, the, the caliber of what you're doing here mm-hmm. in terms of room design. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I, I look at hotels the way you look at hotels, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. I want to see if the plug is in the right place. And I want to see if the lighting is in there. okay in the bathroom. You got the lighting right in the bathroom. I mean, ho- most hotels don't get the lighting right in the bathroom, <laughs> right? You got big bathtubs in there. You know, most casinos want you out of the room. Right. So this is a different operation. It is. Um, you know, luxury first. Uh, obviously, we want, uh, you know, to bring in that uh, that homely feel, if you would, and have every amenity uh, that guests would expect if they're at a larger scale uh, resort uh, right here in Rancho Mirage. County Ellen Evans, the director of hotel operations here. He's otherwise known as Dr. No. Ion Travel continues from the Agua Caliente Casino and Resort right here in Rancho Mirage, California. My next guest heads from the CIA. No, it's not the CIA that you know and think about. It's the uh, the Culinary Institute of America, and actually up in Hyde Park, New York. Absolutely. And uh, and he's got quite a pedigree. He was he and I don't realize this until we actually looked looked at each other today. But we were both there when the Bellagio opened. Yes, indeed. Which is the former site of the Dunes Hotel when they yes. blew that up. Yes. Then he went over to the Four Seasons, a couple of resorts there, and now he's here yes. in Agua Caliente. Ken Williams, the executive chef. How are you, sir? Good to be here. You're Once again, like most Californians, you're not from around here. You're, you're a New Jersey guy. Exactly. But when you moved here, I bet, like me, you weren't expecting to see what you were going to see. I mean, for me, I've said this throughout the show, Palm Springs is always surprising me these days because it's not just the desert. I never in a thousand years thought I'd be in the desert to be honest, but you know. You thought it would be a prison sentence. Exactly, exactly. But it's actually so beautiful out here. It's amazing. And uh, we, you know, my family really, really are happily, happily uh, overjoyed to be here. You know, if you go back 15 years, in some in some cases, maybe even five years, the biggest challenge that chefs have is, is being able to source food, being able to get local ingredients, working with local purveyors. You know, if you drive down here, and so many people do, um, you don't see a lot of opportunities, at least the first visual sighting that you have. You're not, you're not driving through rolling lush farmland. No, you're not. But, but we still live in Southern California, and you know that's, that's the breadbasket of the country, basically. And we can get pretty much anything that we you know, need and desire here in the desert. Were you surprised when you got here about the quality of the food? Yes, indeed. I was pleasantly surprised. I didn't know that there were so many quality restaurants in, in the desert. Um, you know, we still haven't reached, uh, you know, all of the restaurants, me and my wife to go out and try everything, but you know, it's, it's incredible. Although this is radio and I know you can't see Ken, but he does like to eat. (laughs) Yes. And I'm not a small guy. (laughs) (laughs) So in terms of the menu, because you you know, you're given a chance, right? This is your opportunity. You craft it, you create it, you invent it if you want. Uh, And I always like to ask chefs this question. So you're no exception. You're not getting off the hook that easy. When you first came here, what's the one thing you put on the menu and you said, man, this is going to be so great, so cool, everybody's going to like it, and it tanked? And <laughs> Wait, wait. And then, what's the one thing you said, do I really have to put this on the menu? And everybody loves it. So, you know, we're trying to have fun. You know, we want to make our- No excuses our, now. Our, Come I'm, on. I'm just trying to, you know, keep it real. You know, we try to have fun. And, you know, in one of our restaurants, Waters Cafe, you know, I, I wanted to kind of do a play on words and a play on food. Um, so we bought popcorn shrimp, and I use actual popcorn with the shrimp with a, a spicy honey that goes with the shrimp. 
Um, I thought it was awesome and tastes great. Um, people weren't really feeling it. But then I put like a fun dish on the on the menu as well. Oh, so, so what you're saying to me is the popcorn shrimp got 86. Not yet, but it will. It's be. on it, the way it, out. It's on the way out. Okay, fine. So then, hurry down to Agua Caliente <laughs> to get your popcorn shrimp right now. Okay, fine. And then uh, we put tachos on on the menu. What? It, What's that? It's it's like a play on uh, tater tots, um, chili, um, and you know a bunch of other you know mixture of, of, of flavors, and you know people are loving it during happy hour they're requesting it during you know dinner time it's 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 incredible is it on the room service menu yet not yet but it will be because <laughs> people love it at the end of the day is it really making a difference if you just keep it simple yes that's that's the key um, but i mean i go to so many restaurants where the menu is like reading a novel you know, they they want to tell you, you know, that the that the baby leaks came from a from a small home in West Virginia, right. and 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 they're doing this, and it's dressed with this, and it's like, how about just a grilled cheese sandwich? Does that work? That's that's it. We had a saying in culinary school: keep it simple, stupid. You know, and we just we had that same in journalism, by the way. <laughs> and you know, it, it never fails. I mean, we want to keep the flavor simple, where people can appreciate them, and you know, presentations as well. Very simple, and but clean and, and nice, and you know people are are, are, are drawn to that. I now think. you got a steakhouse here, absolutely, and we know it's on the menu. Yes, you have a tomahawk that's a weapon. <laughs> it's it's a pretty how, large, how big is that tomahawk? It is thirty two ounces. Does it come with a stretcher? <laughs> You'll fall asleep at the table if you try to eat it all. I'll tell you that. So you have the doggy bags ready? Yeah, plenty of them, <laughs> plenty of them, and. The bottom line is, where are your sourcing problems? Hmm, that's a good question. Or what um, can't you get here? Um, we can get pretty much everything, like I said in the beginning, what we desire. But fish is, you know, fish is, is something that, um, you know, if we want different types of fish, you, you really got to look hard for it. Although the salmon you had is from the Antarctic. Yes, and we... We wanted to be sustainable in that aspect. And you just wanted to source it from as far away as possible. Far away as possible and as good as possible. So when I think about Palm Springs, I think about the Antarctic. <laughs> cool off out here in the <laughs> desert. <laughs> and thank you for listening to the Ion Travel Podcast. For more interviews with the world's leaders in travel, as well as answers to your travel questions, make sure to subscribe, rate, or review the Ion Travel Podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to listen. You can also go to petergreenberg.com for the latest in travel news updates. If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money, and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. Are you ready for an all-new season of Survivor? You better be, because Survivor 46 is here, and it's 90 minutes of twists and turns you don't want to miss. Better yet, after each episode, there's a brand-new episode of On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. 
Each week, we go behind the scenes of the episode's biggest moments, taking you into the how and the why things happened. And this season, we're very lucky to be joined by an expert, the winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares. What is up? I'm thrilled to be joining this team and to be giving you my take on how and the why players made the moves they did, what it takes to outwit, outplay, and outlast, and to ask Jeff some questions because even after 26 days out there, there is still a lot for me to uncover. Bring it, D. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. 